Check one, two, check one, two. Okay, there we are. We are getting there. Before you know it, I'll be preaching. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Well, uh, we are kicking off a new series today entitled, Who Do You Think You Are? That can come across as kind of aggressive, but uh, I think it'll open your eyes to what we're talking about here in a few minutes. In 2013, there was a guy um, that was found in a Palm Springs, I got a little bit of ring here, a guy found in a Palm Springs motel room, unconscious, and the authorities uh, took him to a hospital and they found out what his identity was. His name was Michael Boatwright. He was a a 61-year-old man who was a Florida resident. He was a Navy veteran. They knew who he was, but when he woke up, he didn't know who he was. As a matter of fact, when he woke up, he had no concept of who he was. He thought his name was Johan Eck, and he could only speak Swedish. What a bizarre story. And so they, they're trying to figure out who this guy is, what, you know, and they're working with him, working with him. Months pass, five months pass, still only speaking Swedish, not speaking English, still believes his name is Johan. So what do you do with a guy that only speaks Swedish and thinks his name is Johan? They sent him back to Sweden. <laughs> so they sent him back to Sweden. He became a tennis coach in Sweden. What a bizarre story. But I can't imagine, I've read some other stories of amnesia where people wake up and they don't know who they are. How terrifying would that be? There was a story of a mother who woke up and forgot the last 15 years of her life. She didn't know who her 10-year-old son was. Her house felt foreign to her. She thought she was like a 15-year-old kid. Weird stories. Luckily, over the next eight weeks, it all came back to her. But strange stories of people losing their identity, not knowing who they are. And we have this title, Who Do You Think You Are? And this sounds really kind of confrontational, right? Who do you think you are? Maybe some of us have had someone say that to us. Who do you think you are? Maybe a parent, I don't know. Or maybe, maybe, uh, uh, maybe you've said that to someone and it's kind of, it, you're, 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 you're asking someone, what are your credentials, right? What, what's your authority? What, what base are you coming at me from? Um, what's, and, 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 and when you would respond is you would probably point to your title. Well, actually I am. And you'd point to your title, your job title, your relationship, maybe the degree you have, you know, I am Dr. Such and Such or whatever it might be. You can respond with that. Um, if someone were to ask you just about yourself, you would automatically, when you're identifying yourself, probably lead with something that has to do with your, uh, what you do for a living, your employment, right? That's what most of us do. Someone asks me, so Brent, what do you do? You know, or tell me about yourself. I, I often lead with, well, I'm a pastor. Um, or we talk about maybe our family role, our place in the family. Well, I'm a mom, I'm a dad, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm this or that. Um, where we live or where we're from. We have these identifying things. It's not too difficult to tell someone about ourselves when we do it from that context, right? To have an identity, to be able to say where we're from, what we do, those kinds of things. But then in terms of our spiritual identity, many people find themselves a lot more clueless and a lot more at a loss, maybe some amnesia. Who am I spiritually? What's that mean? What, what, what base do I walk from? And, and it's vital that we understand and we know who we are spiritually. It's vital that we have an understanding in the same way we could not walk through this life without an understanding of who we are in the world we go around in, uh, our identity in those ways. The same way spiritually, how can we be effective spiritually? How can we have lives that actually um, make, make spiritual impact if we don't even know who we are? And so last week, we, we had a great uh, service and people gave their lives to Christ. But often then, there's the rubber meets the road of, now what? What's that mean? 
Who am I? And so we're going to be over the next several weeks going through this, uh, this, this study of who we are spiritually. Who do you say that you are? Who do you think that you are as a spiritual person? So if you have your Bibles, open them with me to the book of First Peter. It's all the way almost to the back of your Bibles. We're going to be in chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 9. First Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 9. It says this. Peter's writing, he says, But you... Are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Wow. There is a spiritual war that is raging right now. There is spiritual battle that is occurring right now. Satan would want nothing more than for you to lose your spiritual identity. He would want for nothing more than for you to lose who you are in God. Satan is not able to hurt God. God is omnipotent. There is nothing that is uh, outside of God's control. So Satan can't do anything to wound God. But do you know what he can do is go after his children. If you want to hurt me, the best way you would do it is to go after my family and go after my children. That's the way that, that, would, that would hurt me the deepest. And, and Satan knows in the same way, he, if he goes after the children of God if, God, if he can strike God to hurt him by attacking us, then he can be, uh, to actually exact some, uh, some victories for himself. And so he tries to attack us. Um, Satan can't, though, create anything. Satan can't create anything. God is the creator. Satan can't create. All Satan can do is twist and pervert and destroy And so Satan comes in and he wants nothing more than to distort and to confuse your spiritual identity. What God has created, what God has called what it is, Satan wants to come in and twist and distort it. So the phrase Christian, it's interesting. If you read through the Bible and you're looking for it, the word Christian you will only find a couple of times in the Bible. The word Christian is hardly there, but a phrase that you will see a lot is the phrase in Christ. You'll find the phrase in Christ 140 times. 140 times. Because we are in Christ, this is who we really are. When we give our lives to Christ, then we belong, what we just read in 1 Peter, our citizenship, where we belong, is to another kingdom. Our citizenship shifts to another kingdom, from the kingdoms of this world to the kingdom of God. Peter says that we are a chosen people, we are a royal priest, and then he says, you are a holy nation. A holy nation. Holy means it's to be set apart. It's unique. It's separate. It's distinct. And so he says, you are a nation of people, of, as, as people that have been redeemed by Christ, that are set apart. You're unique. You stand in contrast to the rest of the world. This means that we are called out of the world as citizens of Christ's kingdom. And when we are called out of the world into this new kingdom reality, into this new identity as citizens of God's kingdom, our identity changes. Our identity is shifted. We go from being, I was Larry the cheater. I was Jill the liar. I was, I was Bob the drunk. I was the brawler. I was the cuss. I was the addict. I was the gossip. I was the thief. And suddenly our identity changes and we become a new person. That identity has been changed. 
what we, the world may still think of us as or remember us as or what the enemy would want to remind us that we were, our identity has fundamentally changed when we follow Christ. In Galatians chapter 3, if you have your Bible, switch over there. We're going to read a couple verses here. In Galatians chapter 3, in verse 28, it says, There is no longer... I, I jumped ahead, so, uh, starting in verse 26, I apologize. It says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Our identity is changed. Suddenly what's visible is no longer ourselves, but Christ. Our, our Christ, literally, we are wrapped in Christ. When people look at me, they are no longer seeing the things in which Satan would want to say, this is who you are. This is what, you, what, what identifies you. Suddenly those things that defined us have been fundamentally changed because we are wrapped in Christ. People see Christ in me. No longer myself, but they see Christ in me. And we become citizens in Christ's kingdom. And when this happens... Our loyalties then change. When our citizenship changes to heaven, our identity changes, but then also our loyalty changes. This doesn't mean that we are renouncing our American citizenship. This isn't speaking about geopolitical lines. Um, There's a distinction between patriotism and kingdom allegiance. And so I've often thought about this question. Has anybody ever thought about what were the chances of the over 7 billion people there are on earth right now that I was born at this particular time in this particular place. Has anybody ever marveled at that? It blows my mind. The chances are, if you ever look at one of those charts, it says that the, the greatest percent chance that you, if you were born today, would be that you would be born in China. And, 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 and so you, you think about the different places we could be, all these different uh, situations that we could be in. Um, I'm so grateful for the place that I was born. I am, I am gl- proud to be an American. It's a great thing, but to not think that I was born in a totalitarian type place, a communist dictatorship, an oligarchy. Um, I mean, literally, you look at North Korea, you look at, like I said, China, there is another nation where there is a real bond villain that has nuclear bombs that is invading other countries right now. We could have been there. So we look at all these different places that we could have been born, but the kingdom of God is beyond the, it supersedes the kingdoms of this world. It supersedes these things. There are believers around our world that share the same kingdom citizenship that I carry. There are people in this world that carry the same identity, the same, uh, the, the same passport to the kingdom that I carry. And, and it, it supersedes all these things. And being an American citizen, while I'm proud to be so, makes me no more a citizen of heaven, though, let me say this, as does being a citizen of any other nation. And that's an important distinction because a lot of times people think, I am an American, thus I am. But our citizenship supersedes that. It it, it doesn't even connect to that. This is something greater than that. And so we need to understand that. In Galatians chapter 3, continuing on, this is what he says. He says, there is no longer then Jew or Gentile. Jew is all the people of Israel and Gentile is everybody else. He says there's no more distinction between God's certain elect and and the rest because of what Jesus did. He said, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Does that mean there's no longer distinction between any of these things? No. But he's talking about in the kingdom of God, we are all one. In the kingdom of God, there is a greater thing, the collective that pulls us all together. And we are called as kingdom citizens then to live in this world, but not to be of this world. Live in this world, not be of this world. You see, our culture is built on shifting sand, isn't it? Look at how people dressed in the 1960s. 
It was wild. There was some... <laughs> I, I say that because I didn't live during that time. I look back at pictures of myself in middle school. I was, I was like, oh boy, that was rough. Um, we dress in certain ways. Why? Because everyone else is dressing that way, right? We want to fit in. We want to look right. We want to look like we fit. Um, beyond even fads and fashion, though, cultural values are ever fluctuating. They're, they're based on what celebrity says. They're based on fear. Fear of rejection, fear of being canceled, fear of all these other things, fear of acceptance or being uh, or the or otherwise. And so these cultural fads and fashions, these cultural values are ever shifting on this sand because uh, you think about what were the values just 30 years ago? What were the values 60 years ago? Look at look at the 1930s. Alcohol was illegal. You look at the values of, of how it changes and all the things that move through, through history and time and all the different things that people put value on. And let me tell you that culture is a, an ever-shifting sand. Not just in this era, but there have been culture wars that have raged through millennia. But the kingdom to which we are loyal, the kingdom to which we have citizen, citizenship stands on an unapologetic foundation of the unchanging truth of the gospel. See, there is something solid that we stand on that for millennia have not changed since, since the, the moment Jesus spoke it, since the moment we were brought into that kingdom have never changed. They are not pushed around by the tides and the winds of change, by the sands of change, but rather we are built upon the rock. And as we stand on the rock, we can stand in assurance, but I fear often though, so often the church has become a refuge from the world rather than a force in the world. Since we have the security of this citizenship, we like to huddle within our, 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 our embassy, as it were, and encourage one another and then tiptoe out into the world and then come back to where it's safe. Rather than being a force in the world, we, we seek refuge from it. And the church has increasingly been hiding from culture. The church has been increasingly either resisting or hiding from culture or, God help us, actually adapting culture within ourselves, popular culture. Rather than, I believe the church should be creating culture. Based upon who we are as citizens of the kingdom, we should be culture creators. We should be ones that are fostering culture, godly culture around us. But, but so often the church rather recluses within itself or hides from culture, resists it, or even adapts it to try to fit in. But we're to stand in contrast to that. In the book of John chapter 17, Jesus is praying over his disciples. He's got a long prayer that he prays to the Father over his disciples. And he says this. He says, I have given them your word. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Did you notice Jesus says, don't pluck them out of the world. Don't, don't, don't save them from the world, but protect them as they sojourn through this world. As citizens of heaven, we are, we are passing through and, and, we, and Jesus prays for protection from the evil one for us. But we are not supposed to be insulary uh, creatures that are just trying to stave off everything around us. But as we walk through this world, bringing salt and light to everyone we encounter. Amen. And as kingdom citizens, finally... Our priorities must change. You see, our priorities then indicate where our loyalties lie, don't they? Our priorities indicate where loyalties lie. Where you invest your time indicates where your loyalties lie. Where you invest your talents indicate where your priorities and your loyalties lie. Where you invest your finances 
are indicators of where our loyalties lie. How are you spending your time? If we were to do a time audit, has anybody ever kept a journal of what you've done almost minute by minute through a day? If we were to do a time audit, I think it used to be, I don't know if my phone just gave up on me, but it would tell me how much time I spent on screen time. And it was terrifying to see how much time I spent on screen time. Some of us, Instagram is your kingdom. Spent hours doom scrolling away. How are you spending your talent? What has your identity, what has your loyalty and how you spend your talent? Maybe your hobbies uh, are your kingdom. Maybe your social circle has become your kingdom. Maybe your physique has become your kingdom. What do your finances indicate? That's an easy one to audit. Just look at your credit card statement, right? It's scary how much fast food is in mine. Your investment portfolio might be your kingdom. Your stomach might be your kingdom. See, we are called... To be kingdom citizens, and when that happens, our priorities change. How many of you know when you invest in a place where you live, when you invest in a family, whatever it might be, your priorities shift to that thing? I had a friend who had a cat, and all they talked about was that cat. Their social media was their cat. It was cat all the time. It was cat 24-7. Then that couple got pregnant, and they had a baby. And I don't know if that cat's still alive or not. (laughs) Priorities shifted. Suddenly the cat can take care of itself. Suddenly the cat can manage its own social media. (laughs) Priorities shift when we go, this is what has my priority. This is what has my, my loyalty. In John 16, verse 33, Jesus says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you'll have many trials and you'll have sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So when we, when we put our loyalties in, in the eternal kingdom, it doesn't mean that things will suddenly get easy. It doesn't mean that we'll suddenly go, oh, things are so clear and it's so easy. Let me tell you, it is a journey. There are times where we're constantly tearing away the sin. We're tearing away at the, the things of this world that are still clawing at us because the enemy still wants to distort the image of what God has put on us, of who we are. And we're working on it and we're, we're pursuing Jesus with all we have. And let me tell you that we will have trials. We will have sorrows. But take heart. I love a C.S. Lewis quote where it's very simple. All it says is, courage, my dear soul. Have courage. See, we're called to live courageously. In the book of Joel, it tells us that in the last days, God's going to pour His Spirit out on all flesh. And it says that young men and young women... And children will prophesy and have dreams and visions and, and, and that, that he's going to speak. And, and I believe that he still speaks today, amen? Um, and this last week, one of the women in our church had a meeting with me and she said, I, I just got to tell you, I've been having these dreams. And I was like, oh no, I'm no Daniel. Here we go. And she said, can, can I just talk to you about them? And, and we, had a, we, we, we got together and we're talking and the dreams bothered her for a long time. But she said, God started to reveal to me what he was saying in these dreams. And I felt like it just perfectly dovetailed together with what we're going to be talking about in the series and what I'm talking about today. So Sandy, if you'll come up here um, and join me. Sandy's going to share a few things about what God has put on her heart. And what God's been speaking to her through these dreams that he's been giving her. Sandy. Well, I have to start with a joke. Um, A more aggressive way to say who do you think you are comes from one of my favorite guys, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Not JC The Rock. 
But he's, he has a term that says, know your role. <laughs> so that's all I'm thinking. So um, I just want to, I have to share a little bit of my testimony with you so you can understand where this has come from. And many of you know my mom, so it's some of her testimony as well. Um, when I grew up in a home where I knew the Lord. However, my, my dad, not a Christian at all, and actually pretty hateful to the church. Um, so uh, 23 years ago, it was around April 11th and April 12th, a Sunday, my mom was kicked out of the house after a big fight. The next day, my I had, sorry, <laughs> I had softball practice. And my dad never came to games even. <laughs> and he came looking around the, the softball practice for my mom. And, and it was a domestic violence issue. You know, we were, we were facing some really scary stuff. Well, my sister, my dad's gone. And my sister says, Sandy, do you have any other shoes? Because I had only cleats. And school's closed now, so it's not open. And I said, well, I do, but they're in my gym locker if it is open. And my shoes were there. And we left. We saw a rainbow. We knew it was, we knew. That's just one time in my life. And I can't tell you how many I've had of having to pack up and leave and go and be ready. <laughs> so... My dreams have been me packing, me packing and having to get ready and go put things in boxes and rush. I have to leave the next day and I can't get everything in the bags and it's just not going to happen. And in my dreams, I'm also telling myself, you don't have to do this anymore. And they've been going on for probably a year, um, more if not, and, uh, I know that trauma can reveal themselves in dreams as well, but we also have a helper as Christians and faith and someone to ask. And in that, I asked the Lord actually to stop the dreams <laughs> because they are anxiety inducing. They're not fun. Um, and then on, it was Palm Sunday. I, I, I call it downloaded. I feel like the Lord downloaded some stuff because it gives me details like da, 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 do this, this, and this. And um, in this dream, I had, not this dream, I was looking when I felt like the Lord was leading me for like, you know, the exodus when they're leaving and they have to pack. But that's not where he took me. He took me to um, Isaiah 52, and I'm going to read 11 through 12, but this is where he took me. Depart, depart, go out from there. Touch nothing unclean. Go out in the midst of her and purify yourselves. You who carry the vessels of the Lord. But you will, know, you will not go out in haste, nor will you go out as fugitives. For the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. So to that, that was when Israel was leaving Babylon. And God's saying, you're going out as victors. It's not like when you left Egypt and you couldn't even put yeast in your bread. But here's, here's kind of more of the message that I really feel the Lord delivered personally for me, but also as a church. Remember your exodus, your deliverance. We do not need to fear the day, fear the coming day. Sorry. We do not need to fear the coming day. Continued deliverance happens. Jesus cleanses us and purifies us. 
We no longer need to live in bondage or fear. And we are a warrior priest that goes, that God goes in front of and behind. And even in times there is fear, God has already provided for his people. Our boxes don't need to be packed because God has our supplies and we don't need it. We can't take anything with us anyways. We are victors, not fugitives. Readiness isn't what's packed. God did it and told us to remember the Exodus so we can trust in him in times that put us in bondage. So, that scripture led me to another thing. Um, I really believe the Lord, I don't know, did you put that on the slide? Um, has told me a while back ago to sow my miracles. Much happier thing for me. Um, <laughs> but in, in that, I mean, like, I pray, I sew. It's what you do during, you know, a hobby. And I, um, I said, as soon as I got that, I said, okay, Lord, how am I going to sew it? And I, I looked for inspiration and I was finding it. This is actually the marching orders of Israel. Where we are is right in the middle. God's in the dead center, the target. We're in the middle. We are now the Levite priests. Not only does God go before us and in front of us, he's always in us. There's never a time we're alone with him. Without him, I mean. And I just want to encourage you that if you feel encouraged by this, or, or convict whatever, to pray the Lord's Prayer every day. Because you're calling for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. And you're also asking for daily repentance, which purifies us. So I want to leave you with one last uh, scripture. And this one has really, sorry, I have all my papers here, Brent. I'm like you. (laughs) Um, Where's the Habakkuk one? I'm trying to find it. There it is. Okay. So... I want to leave you with this scripture, and it's Habakkuk 3, 16 through 18, because this has become my favorite verse, and it needs to be our cry as a church, because the next time we leave, we're ushering the kingdom of God in as a church. We're going before the world and singing the praises of our Lord, and so we need to be victorious. I heard, so Habakkuk 3, 16 through 18. It's a great book. Y'all should read it. I heard and my inward parts trembled. At the sound, my lips quivered. Decay enters my bones. And in my place, I tremble because I wait quietly for the day of distress. For the people to arise who will invade us. Though the fig tree may not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines. Through the, though, the, though the yield of the olive should fail. And the fields not produce food. Though the flock may be cut off from the fold. And there be no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord of my salvation. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. We need to rejoice in the Lord. Always. And you know what? You, my mom, when we left. She had given the, was given the verse about the Israelites going the long way. She said, it's going to be the long way for us because the short way sends you back right to Egypt, right to bondage. It seems too scary. And what I want to leave you with that in Habakkuk is you may not know the road. You may not know that you're on the long way, 
But what God loves is trust and faith because he's delivered you before and those shoes are in the locker. See, this morning, what kingdom have you been living in? When we live in his kingdom, when we are citizens of heaven, we have nothing to fear about what's behind. We have nothing to fear about uh, being prepared to flee because we know that he is with us. He's, he's present. He is here. And I love what God says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. He says, before the foundations of the world were laid, I chose you. And that boggles my mind to think that before God let the ocean settle into its basin, before God uh, set the sun alight, he had decided and set his heart upon me. Before that even happened, he had set his heart upon you. Before he chose to do any of these things, you were on his mind and he chose us. And kingdom citizenship isn't anything we can buy. We can't earn it. I, when I was a little, little guy, um, we lived, uh, we had in our backyard a tree fort and it was a really cool tree fort. It may be just in my mind it was really cool. Maybe it was pretty junky, but in a, as a kid it was amazing. And we, me and my friends decided we want to stay the night in our tree house overnight. And we thought there's only one way to do that, and that is to do some crazy nice things around the house to get Dad to really okay this. So we mowed the, the lawn, we raked all the leaves, we went around and polished everything we could polish, we cleaned windows, we worked all day long. And at the end of the day, I came to my dad and said, Dad, can we stay in the treehouse overnight? And he said, sure. And I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, out of curiosity, is that why you did all these chores around the house? I said, yeah. He said, oh, you didn't have to do that. I would have said, yeah. But the house looks great. Thank you. I worked and worked and worked all day long to try to earn this okay for my dad. But you know what? It didn't require that because nothing I could do could earn his, his love for me, could earn his, his, his wanting to, to get good, give good things to me, good gifts to me. And let me tell you that we can work our, our fingers to the bone, but it won't earn our place in the kingdom. It is a gift that's given to us. It's freely given. So what are you worth? You are worth everything. The Bible says that Jesus, God sent his son Jesus because he saw the value that was in you that was worth more than any one person could pay. Elon Musk doesn't have the portfolio to afford you. He can't pay for you for God's sake. It is, it is a price that is beyond anything we could pay and God sent his own son Jesus to die for us that we could know him. And I want to offer you that kingdom citizenship this morning, that assurance, that knowledge, the, the fact that we don't have to live in fear, looking behind us, wondering what's behind us, but knowing that he is in control. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes today. And right now I want to offer you this kingdom citizenship, a new identity in him. Maybe the identities that have been stuck on you have been cheater, liar, porn addict rageful failure and these labels have been 
sticking to you and you need a new identity in Christ. You need to put him on like a new pair of clothes that he wraps around you, that he becomes your identity. If that's you today, you say, I need to surrender myself, my failures, my sin, and let Jesus come into my heart and become my new identity. If that's you with our heads bowed and eyes closed, I'd like for you to raise your hand, raise it high. I want to pray with you. Thank you. See that hand. Anyone else? Yes, I see that hand. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. You can put your hands down. Church, let's pray this prayer together. Repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe that you came for me. I believe you died for me so that I could know you. I receive this citizenship as a part of the kingdom of heaven, as one of your own children. I repent of my sin, sin that separated me from God, and I give my heart to you, and I will serve you from this day forward, in your name, amen, amen, thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus, amen, amen, praise God, praise God, Pastor Ty. This morning, I get the privilege of leading you through our connection cards. Now, we've talked about this, and we talk about it every week, but there's there's two main purposes for our connection cards. And the first is this. If you're new, if this is your first, second, third time, this is just a great way for us to serve and pray for you. Um, we would love to get to know you. We'd love to connect with you. And to be able to do that, we have to know how to contact you. So if you're new, if you've made, or if you've made any kind of decision to follow Jesus for the first time, we'd love for you to write that on there so that we can follow up with you. Uh, it's me that does it, so I promise I won't come after you aggressively like a car salesman. But, well, maybe I will. We'll see. But, no, I'm just kidding. But I just want to get to know you. I want to see how we can better connect you and just bring you into the body. Because can I tell you, this is an awesome body, and it's a privilege to be a part. Uh, secondly, if you've been here and you're a regular attendee or member or whatever that looks like, this is a great way for us to uh, be faithful with what God's given us. I think of, um, Sandy alluded to the Exodus and it's been interesting as I've tried to read it, imagining the characters. And I was thinking of the plagues and the parting of the scene, all these things, and just uh, waking up and having God tell you, hey, put blood above your door because literal death is coming through. And if you put this blood, he's going to pass over you and uh, protect your family from this, from this evil, from this wrath. And those that don't, it'll come upon their house. And waking up the next day after being obedient to God and seeing that your family's safe, but hearing the screams and cries of those that didn't trust in God. How, how crazy that must have been. And then to be told, get up and go quickly. And you come to the sea wondering, what are we going to do? And to see the sea part and to walk through it and to imagine and then to get to the other side where they spontaneously break out in song, celebrating what God's done. It's, it's mind-blowing to think about. Why do I know that that happened? Because somebody wrote it down. The reason that we are able to grow in our faith even further is because we're not only limited to our experiences, but we can see how God was faithful to people all through the ages. And so what we get to do as an awesome steward and testimony is join our testimonies in that. To include what God's done in our life, all through what he's done in the entire kingdom that he's created. 
And so this morning, as we fill out this connection card as believers, as people that faithfully attend, I just want to encourage you, write down what God's doing in your life. Write down what God spoke to you. Write down a testimony, because this is our way to be part of that collection of testimonies that might inspire the next generation that follows us. Saying that if they can be faithful to Sandy, to Kit, to Andrea, to Michael, to Chelsea, to whoever, if we can see that God was faithful to them, then we know that he can be faithful to us. So let's be faithful stewards of what God has given us this morning as we fill out those connection cards. There's a couple of ways you can do it. You can scan the QR code. You could go to nlcchurch.com slash connect. You can fill out the physical one in front of you. But let's just take the next few minutes and do that. finishing that up, let's go ahead and have uh, everyone stand up. I just want to pray a benediction over you and release you to the week. God, right now, I thank you for these wonderful people. I thank you that you came and you spoke to our life. God, that your word does not return void, but your word is sharp like a sword. That it goes between the bone and the marrow. That it finds the places in our life that are inconsistent and transforms it. God, I thank you that no matter how long we've been walking, we get to draw ever closer to you. God, I thank you that we live in this weird tension. That we're, physic- we're physically here on earth, but spiritually, we're one with you. You're even answering right there. We appreciate it. But God, we thank you that we, although physically it hasn't yet happened spiritually, we are, are citizens with you. We are, we are with you. You go before us, as Sandy said. God, I pray as we leave here, we trust in that reality. When people ask us, who do you think you are? I am child of the king. I am citizen of heaven. I am partnered with the most high. As we leave this place, God, give us boldness to continue to do your will. Give us unity that in one voice we might glorify you. God, trusting you for testimony after testimony. God, we thank you for this and so much more. Amen. Have a great week, guys. Music's going to be bumping. We love you. Grab some coffee on your way out. Have an excellent week.